Hello, 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 and welcome to the Janae Franco Show. I am really excited to be with y'all today. Um, yeah, I just have have been through so much uh, change and uh, difficulty, honestly, and struggle the last few months, really. And it has sometimes been a, a struggle for me to sit down and distill my thoughts and all of that to bring to you. And so today, something that really struck me as I was praying about what the Lord wanted me to talk about today was really my own personal struggle in failing. What, what does that look like for me? And particularly as it comes to motherhood, because as I've shared with you before, I've had lots of challenges um, with my kids and, and parenting, and I have discovered that I'm incredibly hard on myself, which is to be expected. As a recovering perfectionist, as someone who is, is just really constantly fighting to grow and to change and to um, continue to be a better vessel for the Lord toward my kids and for those around me, and, and also through some discussions with my, my own spiritual director. And so, you know, I really felt like I wanted to share the three truths that have really grounded me these last couple of weeks that I've got coached, coached in, that I have uh, coached others in actually, and that I have been able to see are just really, really important as a way of diffusing some of these um, situations that we might find ourselves in. Because the reality is um, I may have, I've, I've had like an influx of just emotions and other feelings and thoughts and other things. And I, and I know you might relate wherever you are. And it's really easy to feel like we can get carried away with those things. Um, that we are a victim, that we don't have a choice, all of those things. And so I really wanted to address those things today. So without further ado, I'm going to get started with number one. What is the number one truth that we need when we to remember when we are failing or we have failed or we believe we have failed? You are not alone and you are good. We are not alone. We are good. We are created. He's, uh, scripture says in Jeremiah 1.5, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to be a prophet to the nations. And the reason I almost cut out that last part about being a prophet to the nations, but the reality is that we are all called to be the light of Christ in our homes to all those that we meet. And specifically here, as I'm talking about motherhood and the challenges that it, that it takes to be a light of Christ to our kids. What does that mean? What does that look like? The reality is, God has appointed us for this mission. And so we are never alone. Christ is with us always. He never leaves us. You know, when I first began this, I guess you could call it sort of this Catholic personal development journey, my first kind of foray into this was Dr. Greg Batara's work with Catholic Psych. And I still follow along with all of his things. I'm always listening to his podcasts because it's really fascinating, especially as someone who has, has dealt with uh, mental health and in a way that's below baseline, but also even now really wanting to focus on mental health, even as it is above baseline, like how can we treat it almost as like going to the gym for my mind instead of uh, maybe going to the doctor, right? Okay. Like there's a difference between those two things. And anyway, so he introduced me to this prayer that I absolutely love and I have offered it to many women as I've coached them. And when they really are struggling and I've offered it to myself, when, when we're really struggling to be present to the fact that God is always with us. He says, this is the prayer, ever present God, here with me now, help me to be here with you. And I would often start my prayer time like this, um, 
set a timer even on my watch and go five minutes where it's just a committed prayer time and allow the Lord to reveal himself to me, to slow down and realize that he's actually always there. It's me who's removing him from my awareness. He's always there and he's always wanting to be there with us. And in fact, I was telling somebody recently uh, that footprints prayer that's really popular. That's, I mean, it's been popular since I was a kid. I remember where it says, Lord, this is where you left me. And he said, no, that's actually where I carried you when it's the two sets of footprints. And then it goes into one. And I really do feel like there's this intimacy there with the Lord. I don't know if you can relate when you've been, you know, really in the pit, when you've been really struggling, there's this intimacy there where when we can really begin to acknowledge this, if we believe that we're alone, that it's a lie and acknowledge that he is actually there and ask for the grace to believe that, that he is always with us. That's where the peace comes in. And it's almost like it can almost help us to embrace where we are more because we can, it's like, Oh, that's a really special intimacy. The Lord really wants to speak to me here. So this is what I want to tell you. You're not alone. You're not alone. Not only because Christ is always with you, but also because uh, I have been through these struggles. I have talked to so many women in my last couple of years in, min- in, in business and ministry and coaching and all of that that have all had, so, had such difficulties. We are not alone in this. We are not alone in the temptation to believe those lies. We are not alone in our struggles. We're not even alone in, in the struggle when we're getting up every day wanting to fight the good fight and not wanting to do it, You know, not wanting to put our feet on the ground. But God is always, always, always with us. And secondly in that is that we are good. It can be so easy to remember or to, to believe somehow that we are broken, that we are, there's something wrong with us. Um, gosh, I can't even count how many times I, I used to tell my kids that, like, what is wrong with you? You know, like, I don't know if you've ever caught yourself telling your kids that, but it's something that I, I used to say, I pretty much have, I think I've eradicated it at this point. Who knows? I mean, I'm sure it would still come out of my mouth, but the point is like, I started to realize that what I was really asking was like, what was wrong with me? I was really, really harsh and critical of myself. It's still something that I deal with that I really have to diffuse. But we have to believe in our goodness. We have to believe in our belovedness. We have to know that the Lord who created us, he looks at us with just so much love. And and we're just ultimately good. There's this beautiful, beautiful song. Um, I'm going to actually sing a little bit for you because... I feel like it just takes away if you just read the words. It was written by Sarah Kroger. I'm not Sarah Kroger. Uh, It's called Belovedness. And I would love for you to, after this podcast, even to go find the song. I'll put this song in the show notes and and give it a listen. It's incredibly beautiful the way she speaks to this part of our feminine hearts. She says, you've owned your fear and all your self-loathing. You've owned the voices inside of your head. You've owned the shame and reproach of your failure. It's time to own your belovedness. He says you're mine. I smiled when I made you. I find you beautiful in every way. My love for you is fierce and unending. I'll come to find you, whatever it takes. My beloved. Just sit with that. Go sit with that song. I mean, it brings me to tears almost every time. Because that is the truth. 
no matter what you are feeling right now, even if you cannot assent to that truth, even if there's something in the way and you need counseling or coaching or whatever it is, you know, or you need to just keep praying about it. That is the truth. You are his beloved. You are his always and forever. I need to hear this all the time, you know? So like, I get it. I totally get it. Um, we are here because we also struggle. So, and the third thing regarding this point uh, is if you have seen The Chosen, it is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. There's this beautiful scene um, later on in the series. So if you don't want spoilers and you can just fast forward this part where Mary Magdalene uh, struggles. She sees a, a, one of the Jesus heal one of the demoniacs and she freaks out. And basically, I, I don't know whether she goes in fear or whatever reason she goes back to the town. She goes back to her old ways of drinking and at least that's what I'm pretty sure they're implying is that she's going back to the to drinking. And so she leaves. And then at one point, Peter and Matthew are sent to go find her and bring her back because they realize that she had gone. So they find her, they bring her back. And her first encounter into the camp actually is Mary, the mother of Jesus. She's there with them at the time. And I find this actually very interesting being that it's not a Catholic series, but it's so, 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 so fitting that Mary says, here, I'll take you to him. And so she walks with Mary Magdalene to the tent where Jesus is. And just this intimate, this look between the two of them and, and Mary, I think she even keeps her hand on her, on Mary Magdalene's shoulder. Like this is what we can do with our lady. Even if we are struggling, even if we were in the midst of, of believing these lies, we can ask her to bring us to him. We can ask her for her intercession, for her help. And she's happy to give it. And in this moment, just Mary, I think at one point Jesus asks her to raise his, her eyes to him, to look at him because we want to hide. We want to hide in shame. We want to hide in maybe even disgust. Maybe we're, we're just, at least I find this is a huge temptation for me. It has become less and less over the, over time as I've worked on it, but it's still there. I want to hide. I don't want to go back to Christ because I struggle to believe, you know, hundred percent in his mercy, but that's the reality is his mercy is there for us always, 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 always. And so I encourage you, if you're a big fan, I don't even know what episode it is, but um, I might find the clip. There is a clip of it on YouTube that you can watch just that scene. If you're a fan of The Chosen, maybe you've already seen them and you just want to go back to that one. It's just really remember that Jesus is there for us to come back. He doesn't look at us with disgust. He looks at us with love. And even if we're hiding uh, or we believe that we're not alone or that we aren't good, like he wants to speak truth into that. And so the second thing that we need to remember, the truth that we need to remember when we are struggling with our own failure is that our emotions need to be felt and not shoved down inside of us. This is a big one. This is not one I have always been aware of. Um, but what if I told you that the process, uh, the feeling of our emotions so that it doesn't come out swinging and hurt the people that we love, which I don't know if you've heard the phrase hurt people, hurt people. It's true. So what if I told you that this process of learning how to feel our emotions is actually a skill that could be learned? I know when I first heard this, it was such a relief because I knew that it wasn't on me anymore. Now it's never on us, of course, but I didn't have to make it mean so much about me that I didn't know how to do this, that I had spent many years not feeling things because that was my own trauma response was to be able to, to shove things down be like, okay, if I don't feel it, um, I can just pretend it's not there. And what that resulted with was a lot of, of uh, kind of extreme emotions on either side. 
And, and that's why the last few months have been really interesting for me because I've been feeling a lot more kind of what you might, I don't want to use the word normal. I hesitate to use that word, but what you might consider just the human condition of feeling emotions. So are you crying in your bedroom, ashamed because you blew up on your kids again? Are you hiding in a closet and munching on sweets maybe and even scrolling on social media because you feel overwhelmed or sad or unmotivated? Or maybe you, you feel something that just feels yuck Ugh. and you just don't even want to think about what it is. So you're, you're doing something else instead. Or maybe you're the kind of person who I've been here before too. Are you stress tidying your house? You know, you seeking that external accomplishment, trying to check things off your to-do list, maybe, uh, maybe getting the kitchen clean sink clean, hoping that if you just get the house clean and somehow that external accomplishment will make you feel better. And maybe it works for a little while, but I promise you it's not going to work forever if you don't ever process this emotion. And I came up with these situations, not from other people, but because I have been in this situation, at least each of these in the last week. And there's this really amazing podcast. Um, I really, I debated how much information I was going to put in here and I'm going to keep it simple today because I really, it's probably something I'll be talking about a lot, honestly, because I'm finding within my own coaching, uh, it's not, I, it's something that the Lord is kind of bringing up and maybe it's for me specifically, or maybe he's doing work in the church and women, but I have walked through so many women in emotional processing, including coaching myself through this exercise, uh, including getting coached on this exercise because I just don't think it's a skill that we have. No one's teaching us this. And if we are kind of teaching our kids, like it's kind of vague, you know, I know that there is some talk about this and, and, you know, um, occupational therapists or maybe people that work with kids, but I was never taught any of this information um, that I can recall. So no blame meant on my mother who's probably listening right now, <laughs> uh, but you know, we don't know. We don't know what we don't know. So I was listening to an amazing podcast by Metanoia Ka- Catholic and I'm going to, put the, put the episode in the show notes and they have a couple on emotions and processing the emotions, but I'm going to give you actually a quick little exercise that I have used this week. And it's not going to be the entirety of it, but it's going to be a good start, a good start to understand uh, how to name the intricacies of our emotions. Even if all you can name it is sad or, or angry um, beginning there, because then once we can get into the vocabulary, what all the emotions mean, it can really help us give a very deep look into our own interior life and clues as to where the Lord wants to speak to us. So if you're able, uh, or what, if you want to do it right now, you probably don't want to do it right now. I'm just going to tell you the steps. Uh, so I'm not going to give the time that I would normally give, but you can always pause this, you know, mark, mark the time. Am I even be able to do that in YouTube maybe where I can like set a segment aside and you can take this somewhere, somewhere quiet, preferably, maybe if you can as close to the moment of trigger as possible, I know one time this week, actually, this happened to me and I was in the car driving the kids home from school and my husband was actually at home and I texted, I texted him at, as I was waiting for them at pickup and I was like, okay, I'm going to need a few minutes because I am feeling something and I don't know what it is. And I know my history of taking it out of my kids when I'm feeling anxious, then I just, I just blow up and like every little thing, it's like, I feel like they're poking at me. So find somewhere quiet. If you can get away as close to the, to the moment of stress as possible. If not do it later when the kids are in bed, close your eyes, invite the Holy spirit to be with you. This is really important. Christ is always with us. So we don't even have to ask him like, Hey, come from up there. Come be with me. Like just say, Hey, can I just be with me specifically about this? Notice the emotion. Notice what you're feeling in your body. Where is it? Is it moving fast? Is it moving slow? Can you visualize it? Is there a color? 
what is the shape of it? Uh, the reason that we do this particular work of visualizing is because it enables our minds to create an image, right? And so when we have an image, we can pass that image through reason. And then that stimulates the higher faculties of the will. So the intellect and the will. So in order to understand something like an emotion to the point that we can pass it through reason, we have to have an image of it. So get an image of it. You know, this isn't, uh, it doesn't have to be complicated, whatever it looks like. You know, sometimes for me, I actually see myself in the picture or, or I might see the image of my heart um, and it's maybe a different color or whatever. So just roll with it, whatever comes across. Um, and then ask yourself this question, especially if you're able to journal about it. If it had a mouth, what would it say to you? This is a really interesting one when it comes to identifying even the thoughts or the lies that are associated. I have not yet had a thought that has come to me from here that is not pretty easily traced back to a really not great place. Um, you know, you say, what's the tone? Is that the evil one or Jesus? Mm, like most of the time when it comes to these negative emotions, like eh, it's something else. So then what can you learn? What do you start to learn from allowing this emotion? Um, invite Jesus into that place. You know, close your eyes, put yourself there. What does he do? What does he say? How does he enter the room? Does he talk? Does he not talk? What's his facial expression? Uh, especially if you're really visual. I'm incredibly visual. So this is something that comes to me pretty easily, but, and it may not come to you easily and that's fine. What do you see? So this right here, this is the exercise. It's a kind of a, a shortened version of what I have done with clients and what I have had done with me and what I've been able to do in the journal. But I think this is a fantastic start, especially if you are new at really starting to identify the emotions that you're feeling. Um, I'd be interested to hear actually if this, uh, if you identify with this, if you start to notice a, an awareness of when you are feeling something, when you're with your kids, and maybe then you start to lash out. Like that's usually what happens with me is I'm feeling sad or angry about something. Uh, and then I actually start to kind of take it out on the people around me. And so even my husband's kind of caught on where he's like, do you need a minute? <laughs> and, you know, in a, in a kind way. And I'm like, you yeah, actually, I do need a minute and don't be ashamed to take that minute. It's okay. You know? he had to kick me out of the house a couple of times to go take a walk because he was like, you need to not be around people or, you know, vice versa. So that is just a little bit on emotions. They are super important. They really need to be felt because if they are not felt, um, then they're going to come out some other way. Either they're going to sit in there and fester or they're going to blow up on other people. So, and the third truth that we really need to remember when we are failing is that we have a choice in how we respond. So this ties back to the model a little bit. The model is, if you remember me talk about before, it is a circumstance happens. That circumstance leads to a thought in our mind, which leads to a feeling. And from that feeling, we take actions. Okay. And then from the actions, we get a result. Okay. But the important thing is a lot of times we go straight from the circumstance to the feeling. I'll give you an example. My toddler or my three-year-old um, doesn't like that I brought his dinner to him or his dad brought his dinner instead of me. Or no, I brought his dinner to him instead of him getting it himself. Okay. it's a good example. And I go straight, I might go straight to the feeling of like anger or frustration. Well, I actually have a thought somewhere in between the two things. And a lot, like maybe in this case, it would be something like, um, I'm just trying to help him or he shouldn't get mad at me for trying to help him or something like that. Well, it's actually developmentally appropriate. First of all, three-year-old is, you know, 
I'm not a parenting expert, so I'm not even going to try to express what I was just about to say. But the point is, is he one, he can't even be obedient yet because he doesn't have, you know, reason and will. So he's just very like whatever his body needs, whatever his his um, emotions need, like it's all just going to come out. And number two, it's actually developmentally appropriate that he wants to do things himself, especially because he's in a Montessori school. And so it's extremely like they talk about it all day long about how they do things themselves. They're very independent. They teach this independent with the kids. So they get that all day at school and then they come home and he kind of wants similar things. So the thing is, that it would be very easy for me to think like, I don't have a choice in how I respond in this situation. Um, so the circumstance needs to change. Like he needs to not be angry at me in order for me to maintain my composure. Well, that's not, that's not the truth. You know, our thoughts lead to our emotions. So we have our own thoughts about things. Even if you think about it, maybe in your marriage where you're like, my husband hurt my feelings. Well, actually your husband didn't hurt your feelings. You had a thought about what your husband did that then hurt your feelings. I'm not saying that he wasn't being a jerk or you're not being a jerk or whatever. Like I, there is obviously still sin and mistakes that people make and all these things, but it's really our thoughts that actually create those feelings in us. And so one of my favorite sayings is, um, well, I don't know if this applies here. I'm just gonna say it anyway, that Aaron Engel says all the time is uh, when you fight with reality, you only lose a hundred percent of the time. And that's, that's just what it is. Like the reality is what it is. The circumstance may be what it is. Maybe you need to change your circumstances. Great. Maybe you can't change your circumstances. Great. But you can't fight with reality. Okay. A great example for me recently has been, okay. I'm coming off the, uh, the medication. My brain is just not going to function to the degree that it did before for the time being. Okay. I'm actually, you know, I'm excited because I'm seeing the other side. I feel like I'm resuming some normalcy uh, most of the time, but the reality is some days, like it might just fight me on it. Like I might physically just not be able to do the things that physically I could have done or mentally have done to uh, the day before. Right. If I fight with that, then I'm going to lose because I can't fight reality. So here's a little bit about, uh, this is, I pulled this from the emotional adulting podcast from, uh, the Catholic coaching podcast. And the guy's name is Don Miller. And I'm just going to briefly go over it. I am not going to go into really exact details of the whole thing, but he talks about this victim villain hero analogy. So this is going back to the choice that we have to respond. We are not victims. We are not powerless. Okay. The victim doesn't usually change. They stay the victim. Uh, but then they actually become their own villain often, or they become a villain because they have been a victim and they stay in that mentality so much that they become a villain. Okay. The hero takes responsibility. Uh, I think it's pretty obvious who the hero is, <coughs> excuse me. And a villain takes control. Okay. So uh, a villain would retaliate to gain back control. They might try to manipulate the other person. They might try to beat them into submission. Um, and maybe not even physically, maybe this is mentally, and maybe we are our own villain. Okay. I saw this meme recently and it actually like broke my heart. Honestly, it broke my heart to think that there are women to think that I was one of them that like just accepted this as a reality. I I'm not going to remember exactly what the quote was, but it was something along the lines of you don't have to, um, you don't have to like talk bad about me because I beat myself up all the time in my own mind or something like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to butcher the quote, but the point is, is, and I actually told my husband this a long time ago before I was even aware of things. I was like, actually, I'm a lot harder on myself than you are. And so when he would get really hard on me, it was like, actually, I don't need that. Like I've already beat myself up all day about this. 
Um, do you want to, do you want me to give you the evidence? And man, what a prison it is to be in that place. Because then we really feel like this victim because we're constantly, um, Aaron Ingold talks about it, like punching yourself in the face. Like, like maybe think about in bed at night and you're ruminating about a situation. You're trying to go to sleep and you're thinking about how this situation went and you're trying to play out all the ways that maybe it could have gone differently. Maybe you would have said something differently, done something differently. And maybe you're, you're playing out a situation that's in the future uh, that hasn't even happened yet. And you're trying to figure out all the ways that it could go perfectly so that you can avoid, <coughs> excuse me, any kind of uncomfortableness. And it's like that ruminating, that, that constant negative, it's like punching yourself in the face over and over again. I said, do you want to keep doing that? Well, no. Well, then let's learn how to not keep doing that. You know, um, be doing all these things, like being the villain actually comes from an unprocessed pain and unprocessed emotion. And so <clears throat> we will often act out of this anger on our kids because we're believing a lie that we are a bad mother we are maybe making the kids' disobedience mean something about us. So even though we think that we're the victim, like we're stuck, we're not choosing the situation that we're in, <clears throat> we are actually acting like a villain, not only to maybe the people around us, maybe our kids. Uh, I don't know how many here actually do. I talk a lot about yelling at my kids. I, I just kind of assume that I'm, I'm not the only one in that, um, that maybe loses their temper on their children. And a lot of it really comes from unprocessed feelings, especially as I've been really digging into this the last few weeks, last few months, where I notice like, okay, what am I feeling? Even yesterday, I can go back to that and be like, okay, I was, I thought I was feeling anxious, but really the feeling was disappointment. And then I started following that rabbit hole where it was like, okay, disappointment actually came from, you know, these are my thoughts about how I disappointed myself or I disappointed others. And it was just another reiteration of the same thing that I will often struggle with, which is being really, really, really hard on myself. And I'm only going to see the things that I'm not so great at and not pay attention to the things that actually I've done pretty well and I've improved upon. And there is no such thing as finishing parenting. There is no such thing as finishing growing a business. There is no such thing as, you know, it just doesn't exist. Now there's some things that you can achieve but you have to be really realistic with that. And I think I have, I have a lot of things to work through about how can I process these feelings um, so that they don't come out on my kids. So I would love to challenge you to be a little bit more aware this week. Like how can you notice when you are getting frustrated with your kids or maybe your husband or maybe a coworker, like what are your thoughts about that? What's happening? Um, can you get into that place with Christ and that feeling See if there's something going on there that you're not seeing that's under the surface that maybe you've just been really used to shoving down all these years, just shoving them down and not thinking about them and not feeling about them. You know, we cannot beat ourselves up to better. It doesn't work. That's why we hold on to the thought, right? We think to ourselves, well, if I tell myself that I'm a bad mom, then I'm going to be motivated to go out and learn these things and be a better mom. Well, that's not really the reality. We cannot beat ourselves up to better. It's, it's actually just not going to work. And I don't know who originally said that. I know Matt and Aaron talk about that sometimes on the, on the Metanoia Catholic podcast. So I think that's the last thing is we have a choice in how we respond, you know? And then the last little bit here is once we realize, if we realize that we're believing a lie, if you are one of those that's, that has the Metanoia Catholic journal, that is why the repent and renounce section is in there. Because when we realize we believe a lie, we need to repent of that lie. We need to renounce that lie. We need to give that to Christ so he can take it, you know, so that we can, that's why we, you know, we go to confession. We, we go to confession. We, we cleanse our souls. Like we need to be aware of those things, 
but they also don't necessarily mean as much about us as we think they do. So the good news here is that we don't actually have to change the thoughts ourselves. We don't actually have to change ourselves. We, we aren't the change agents. That doesn't happen. We, it doesn't, we don't just pick a new thought or pick a new belief or whatever and like go that direction. It's all very intricately tied in with our prayer life. And that's why it is so important that the first couple of, of things, we have to believe that God is always with us. We have to believe that we were created good in his likeness and his image. And we have to be able to process the emotions as they come, because the reality is, especially as women, we are much more aware of our emotions than we are of our thoughts. Uh, let me know if that resonates with you or if you disagree with me. I would love to hear that too. Um, I wouldn't say that I have always been that way in the sense that it can be very easy for me to name like 20 thoughts sometimes. And reality is like, it's all kind of coming from one place of one emotion. And maybe there's layers of emotions too. Like usually anger is a top layer emotion. There's other ones underneath that. Generally sadness or fear is in there. So that fear of failure, that's going to keep us from wanting to move forward um, in our lives. So yeah, that's basically it. We have to believe in our goodness. We have to know we have to be able to feel our emotions. And then we have to know that we have a choice in how we respond. And that honestly, these are most likely, there's definitely some beliefs mixed in there. There's a difference between needing to have a new belief and needing to have a new skill. We need to be able to identify which one it is that we need. And, you know, Jesus is involved in all of that. And so when we have a belief, like maybe we do need to work on our belief in something, but maybe we also need to just learn a new skill, like learning how to process an emotion. And it doesn't mean anything about us that something's wrong with us or that we're broken or whatever. This is all just part of the human journey. So the two pieces of homework that I have for you today, I, I am maybe going to start doing homework because I, my friends joke when they come over to my house for dinner or something, they're like, we always leave with homework. Like either I hand them, I, I send them home with a book or Metanoia Catholic journal or something, because it's like, I'm always just wanting to share the, share the love. Like I really, I really, really want others. I want y'all to have this fire in you to grow, to be better, to grow closer to Christ so that you can serve him more, so you can be more present and more loving to your husband, so that you can be more present and loving to your kids, so that we can break the cycle, so that we can move forward as a society and not pass along our hurts to our children. So two pieces of, uh, of homework is one is to try the emotion exercise that I did earlier. And next time, especially if, if you're triggered by something, maybe step away or at the end of the day, uh, try and process that emotion, ask yourself some questions, get curious. And as much as possible, try to leave judgment out of it. Really try to not judge yourself for those emotions. Okay. There's a reason why you have them. And there, there's a reason why you have them. There's a reason why you believe them. We all have them. We are all working on this together. This is not, we are, I am not like super far along the journey. You know, my, my coach is always like, well, if you're five minutes ahead, that's all you need. And honestly, sometimes the last few weeks, that's all that I have felt. So number one, do the emotion exercise. Number two, Go listen to Belovedness by Sarah Kroger. You will not regret it. It is not only an incredibly beautiful song, she's got an angelic voice, but also it just really smashes a lot of the lies that we believe as women. So uh, God bless you guys. I really appreciate you coming. Check out all the links below. If you want to meet with me for 30 minutes, we can do a free strategy call. We can talk a little bit more about this processing the emotion. We can go through some of these things. We can work on a little bit of strategy of how to get you moving a little bit in your life. And then we can call it a day. You know, uh, you guys know where to find me. Share it with a friend if this has been helpful. You can join my email list at the link below as well. You can share the podcast. Leave me a review on iTunes. Actually, I don't think I've asked for that here, but I would love that. I would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast, if it has been helpful for you or anything that you would love to see me talk about. So 
God bless you guys. I hope you have a wonderful Thursday and Our Lady of Fatima tomorrow. So if you're listening to this today, celebrate tomorrow. Our Lady of Fatima is one of my favorites. It's actually my baptismal feast day after having the Annunciation as my birthday. So I feel like I'm getting all the Mary love in my life. Uh, And again, I didn't put this on the list, but ask her to help you. If you're struggling, she will 100% help you. So God bless you. And I will talk to you soon.